0: Industries of recent innovation. Music's been alive, thriving since cavemen. Folk songs so long have had a place in communities that you should be amazed at it. Then one day came intellectual property, meaning if I think
1: a thought, you can't copy me. And if honesty is the best policy, I'd say songs are better off without this monopoly.
2: It'd blatantly be a major fail if they patented the major scale. And downloads don't equate to sales. So take it. Hello, away. and welcome to the Tech Turt Podcast. As always, I'm Mike Masnick, back again with Dennis Yang and Hirsch Ready. This week, according to the Association of Research Libraries, is Fair Use Week for 2015. So, today we're going to have a bit of a discussion on fair use, what it means and why it's important, and also how we can get it spread more widely. In 1976, the U.S. radically changed the way its copyright laws work by shifting from a formality system in which you needed to register to get a copyright to one where nearly every created work was automatically put under copyright for the life of the creator plus 50 years, later bumped up to life plus 70 years. At the time, some certainly recognized how massive a shift this would be, while others insisted that it was a minor change that would mean very little in the long run. As something of a concession to those who were worried, the 1976 Act also formalized what had previously been a common law concept of fair use, allowing people to make use of copyright-covered works in certain cases without it being considered infringement. Fair use is a hugely important but mostly misunderstood concept in copyright law which can be seen quite clearly if you do a search on YouTube for the phrase, no copyright infringement intended, a phrase that some believe creates a magical fair use shield around potentially infringing uses. In the United States, we are still one of the only countries that has a codified fair use concept. While many others have a concept known as fair dealing, it is generally much more narrow and defined in the law as to what qualifies. Fair use unlike fair dealing, sets forth just some general principles of what should be fair. This includes things like criticism, comment, news reporting, teaching, scholarship, and research, and also includes the famous four-factors test that courts often use to determine whether or not something is or is not fair use. This flexibility has both good and bad sides to it. It provides for flexibility that one hopes allows the courts to adjust with the times and with new forms of expression and new technologies. But it also creates tremendous uncertainty for creators who can't truly be sure that their use is fair until a court has weighed in. And that, of course, is a process that is too expensive for many to endure. In the meantime, other countries, including the UK and Australia, have both explored and mostly rejected attempts to create a fair use regime, arguing that without a stack of US-style case law to back it up, it would just lead to a litigation black hole for decades. Yet these days, the nature of expression has changed massively. Copyright, originally designed as an incentive for the professional creation of content, often feels quite out of place in an internet world where anyone is a creator, and remixing, reusing, and recreating works is commonplace. We live in a world where retweeting, reposting, and reblogging are seen as good ways to share, but copyright law wasn't built for such a world. The Supreme Court has described fair use as a safety valve on the First Amendment, allowing copyright and free speech to coexist, though some of us feel that that safety valve needs to be vented much more broadly. At the same time, fair use is commonly referred to as a limitation and exception to copyright law, whereas I would argue that it should be seen as a key and fundamental part of free speech to which copyright is the exception and limitation. So as we discussed this during Fair Use Week, I wanted to have a discussion about fair use, why it's important, and how it can be expanded. So Hirsch, Dennis, what can we do to make more people recognize the importance of fair use?
1: I think uh, one of the things that people who are very, um, very religious about intellectual property rights, one of the things they tend to forget is that anything that you make, any advancement you do, whether it be in science, whether it be in art, it has to be built on something right mm-hmm. it has to you take components that have already existed you take not just inspiration but i mean when i say components and building blocks i mean to some extent you know besides hip hop and all these things that are you know very clearly remixes right even things like classical music right there's 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 very formal building blocks there's there's things that people see over and over again um when When people don't have the freedom to use these building blocks, it becomes really hard to push the envelope to create new things and we see these problems not just with you know things like uh music but you you see it even in in engineering right when, mm-hmm. if you have a, 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 a what people call a thicket of patents, it becomes it, it, the intellectual property actually becomes uh something that holds back the space instead of actually encouraging it well i think right.
2: you, you know to some extent we talk about I mean, everyone focuses on things like right hip hop and and reusing samples and and things like that, but you know to an even greater extent, right the whole concept of culture and shared culture they're all building off of or, or making use of some common pieces you know music from from the fifties right has a common feel to it artwork you know I mean, that, you know, that fits into a different, you know, a certain classification, a style of artwork, right? It's because they're all building off of, a, you know, they're doing different things and they're being creative, but they're, they're using some kind of common idea or component. And, and this, the concept of fair use, I think, is important in not just establishing that, but, but recognizing how important those shared elements are in culture right
1: and, and and besides that, I mean, if you think about it when when people are having these arguments about how strong copyright law should be or um, how limited the fair use exception should be, generally, it comes from a place of deep respect for the artist mm-hmm. or at least the the industry of, of art, you could say, like whether it be the recording industry or the movie industry right I mean these are the people that go to washington d c and then the politicians get on a podium and, say, and they say you know, we need to make this legislation to make copyright stronger for the artists mm-hmm. so that we have more content. But one of the things that, like, people forget is, like, if you look at the entire world, right, and the way people make content, let's say content in India, the film industry there, or, or music in China, right, certainly copyright is not enforced the way it is in the United States, mm-hmm. right? They, they are much more lax. You see... Uh, you see... Uh, People, you know, singing songs on the internet, and very definitely, it seems they're not compensating the original Chinese author of that song. You know, right. uh, and but people figure out ways to compensate the artists, and, and it's not like those societies don't have their own music and don't have their own film, right? Yeah. They, they have these vibrant industries, and so in the United States, when people get on stage and say, "Hey, look, we really need these really strong intellectual property uh, protections; otherwise, these industries are going to collapse," um, you, you know. It's, the argument just doesn't hold that much water and if you th- if you look at it on the flip side you know like fair use is just one portion of that sure right? like eroding fair use is just one portion of that um even with fair use you know you could go even beyond that and say there's all kinds of other uses things that are outside classical common law fair use that then we might want to have but there's, sure. n- there's no point even talking about those because fair use itself is is constantly being constrained, you know. So it's like you can't even get to the conversation about like, hey, can we do stuff like people do in other countries? Well, that's not even on the table,
0: yeah. right? I mean, but what's what's that delicate balance that we're trying to achieve here?
2: Well, so right. So if you go back, yeah. You know, as I mentioned in the opening, right, the Supreme Court has talked about fair use being sort of this, you know, um, valve that protects. Um, protects the First Amendment, right? Because if you think, if, if, if you go even further back, right, if you think about it, technically you could make an argument, and some have, that copyright law violates the First Amendment, right? Because in a very, very real way, copyright law is a restriction on, on expression. Right. Now, copyright system defenders will say th- that doesn't count because it's expression that is infringing and that's, it's, it, you know, the First Amendment should only protect original expression. Uh, and I don't think that's necessarily... Yeah, but that's the, not how the First Amendment
0: is written. Right,
2: right. <laughs> right. <laughs> um, but, you know, but there are different arguments there, right? So, you know, the idea is that, you know, fair use is supposed to allow for freedom of, of expression, even in cases where copyright-covered content is being uh, being used. And when you think about it that way, when you think about something that is protecting the First Amendment, I think that's pretty important, right? Uh, You know, we believe pretty strongly in the First Amendment and the the power and importance of of freedom of expression. And therefore, the role that fair use plays in expression and in creativity and in the arts is hugely important. And yet it doesn't really get that much attention and people don't talk about it that much. And maybe it, it, you know, maybe it's a branding problem, right? I mean, maybe people don't think about it just because it sounds legal and boring. But, you know, if you look at what so many
0: people do on a daily basis, they rely on fair use. But I think your point of, you know... Copyright being almost like the de facto standard that mm-hmm. people approach, kind of every, all content, kind of is an exact example of almost like the perversion of this 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 whole concept of like you know we started with the First Amendment and all of a sudden yet everything we talk about is covered in, like is automatically assumed to be covered under copyright right so that's what is that is that what you're trying to say is that we need to flip that around.
2: Yeah, uh, so I I think, right? And this is where I I have this problem with this idea. And it's very typical and, and people on all sides of the argument refer to fair use as a limitation and exception to copyright law. And I I think that's a mistake, right? I mean, I think fair right. fair use is a is a free speech right. It's about a user right and copyright is a limitation and an exception on that. And we can argue about how strong copyright law should be for that purpose. But I think we should be looking at freedom of expression and things like fair use as the standard. Right. And, and copyright and comes then on top of it. Look at the copyright yeah. in terms of where are we, um, you know, restricting and holding back expression. And then we can have an argument about is that legitimate and is it okay and where is it okay and under what conditions is it okay. And in that case, we're looking at a world in which we look at, we, we are viewing copyright for the sake of you know, when, when is it appropriate? When is it, you know, serving a certain goal and purpose as opposed to just assuming that all content needs copyright and we're looking for exceptions where that content should be, you know, be able to be used without having to um, get permission or, or to license the content.
1: You know, if you really think about it, the, you know, even before there was copyright law, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, let's think about something actually specifically that doesn't even have copyright protection, like news stories, right? If you break a story, that's like factual information.
2: Right. Someone, someone could. The, 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 well. Someone, yes. someone the, could... the facts of the story are not covered by copyright. Exactly. The, the expression... The story is, though. The, 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 the writing, the, right. the specific expression around that story could be covered
1: Exactly. By the, well, the verbatim story that a reporter yes. writes, that can't be copied. But the, but the facts, you could read it and yes. summarize it yourself, right? Well, you know, back in the day, there were certain courts that created sort of judge-made law right. ar- ar- around the notion, well, you can't Ca- even... Call
2: hot news. Exactly.
1: Right. The hot news. Uh, it was basically... Court-created rights, right, yep. around and, and, news. Which is
2: technically still valid in New York. Exactly. But and there's some fights about it.
1: So, so if you really think about it, like, maybe that model of mm-hmm. basically taking individual pieces of content and deciding, hey, you know, is someone unjustly enriching themselves off of the backs of someone else? Right. And giving rights only in those cases— that seems like a better way an industry by industry way and examining that seems like a better way to me of protecting content than just this really broad thing where we just say, Hey, you know, everything is imbued with a copyright and that's it. Right. Because think about this, um, you know, in such a world, something like a film, a song Mm -hmm. would probably get the kinds of protection we see already. Right. Mm -hmm. Like uh, judges would probably, I'm not saying that judges need to do that, but you know, Having sort of looser rules where it's kind of like we have something that's broader that says something along the lines of, you know, uh, reproducing content created by someone else in in a certain way, that is illegal, right? Like, like that that enriches yourself, you know, at their expense or reduces the market for for their wear. Something like that might make more sense than basically saying... Uh, you know, just blanket. Anytime you make anything on film and fix it on film, that's copyrighted. Mm-hmm. Because if you think about the way copyright laws are abused, and like, the, you know, let's say once someone wants to do a takedown notice against uh, a video that criticizes some speech they made. Right, then they make this copyright claim on the portion of the speech that's made in the uh, that's reproduced in the news report, right? Mm-hmm. And of course, that's very clearly fair use. Like the fair use statute, in fact, explicitly says for news reporting uh, mm-hmm. or criticism, you absolutely can reproduce a, a piece of content. Um, even in that case, just that threat of the litigation for somebody who's running a, an amateur news blog that that's that itself that. Creates enough of a disincentive that, that that will cow some people, right? Yeah, and, absolutely. Yeah, and and, and to, if you flipped it and you said most of the time videos don't have copyright, mm-hmm. then it, it, I think it would be a little different. It would be much harder for someone to write a, a threatening letter to someone and say, "Hey."
2: Well, to some extent, right? I mean, you could you could go back to a different, you know, if you went back to like the 1909 standard, which is where you had formalities, which is that you had to register to get the copyright. You know, and then still anything that is, you know, a new and unique work that is fixed, you could then register for the copyright. And then everything else is is public domain. And then you don't even have to worry about fair use.
1: Well, I don't know if the registration step, uh, step would change things today. And the reason is, is when people upload videos now to like mm-hmm. YouTube and Vimeo, those kinds of websites could automatically put in a little checkbox that says, hey, do you want us to register this for you? And you could just register it.
2: But maybe that's okay, right? Because then it's still a choice, right? Whereas opposed to now, and, and like right now, so like, you know, YouTube, and I assume Vimeo does this, but I don't even know, you have the option for you could put a Creative Commons license on your YouTube video, and many people do that. Um, Does it default
1: to the Creative Commons? Or I don't
2: it? believe it defaults to the Creative Commons. See that but,
1: that would be interesting.
2: Yeah, sure, that would be inter- interesting. But you know,
1: because it's almost like opt in
2: now. Yeah, it's,
1: it's opt in to not have your random home video not be you know copyrighted, which seems a little silly to me. No, it
2: is. It is weird that well, they will offer you a Creative Commons license. They won't offer you the CC zero, which will put it in the public domain. I don't know why they don't offer CC zero, but. Mm. Um, but that's, I mean, getting a little far away yeah. from, from, <laughs> from the fair use.
1: But if, if, like, like if you think about um, the specific enumerations that are in the legislation, right, for fair use, uh-huh. right? Like there's criticism, there's reporting, there's, there's uh, teaching, teaching, I think, there's like yeah. research. There's specific things that are in there. Even for those things that are specifically called out, yeah, right, fair use comes under attack, Yep. Right? So, I mean, yeah. It, it and, seems ridiculous. It's yeah. in the legislation. So, yeah. if you think about it, um, having something in law and actually having it in the real wor- world sort of function in the way right. that people must have thought in the night when the 1976 act was being written. Oh, this is the way it should function because we've written it. Well, that's not really true. It really has to do with like who has a scarier lawyer really. Right. (laughs) To some extent.
2: Yes. Yeah. I mean, and and exactly. I mean, you know, a really good example of that for people who, who don't follow this stuff as closely is like the education space. Right. I mean, so education is, is listed. It's in the statute as, as you know, a use that is, can be fair use. Right. But there've been all sorts of lawsuits and there's one going on right now with, with Georgia state, uh, um, over, you know, whether or not, um, you know, different uh, handing out, you know, uh, printouts and things like that are considered fair use. And that seems like something that is in the statute as fair use. And yet there's still this, you know, this need to go through the, this four-factor analysis. And, you know, the the rulings in that case so far have been, you know, massive because there's all different works and the judges have to go through each of the works and determine whether or not they're fair use. And, to some extent you you should just be able to point to the statute it says you know educational purposes are fair use and you know this these kinds of cases shouldn't shouldn't happen and even like i mean so all of us sitting around this table like you know we all went to college in the 90s right and in the middle of while we were at college or basically right towards the end of while we were at college there were all these lawsuits against print shops that would print out course packs and as a uh, uh, um This copyright lawyer I know says you can tell when someone went to college by asking them, you know, basically how much they had to spend for course packs in college. And if they were, you know, between twenty and fifty dollars, you went to college before these lawsuits. If they're like two hundred or three hundred dollars, you went to college after these lawsuits, which you know all came came out basically as we were finishing up college, Mm -hmm. and you know. The the courts basically determined that even though that's for e- clearly educational purposes, course packs. you know what what could be more educational that they weren't considered fair use because there was a you know a profit uh, aspect to it, even though for profit stuff can certainly be fair use.
1: Well, you know this brings up an interesting point. That's a little bit of a of a diversion from the, from the fair use thing, but it really has to do with kind of the intentions of legislators the intentions of actually the constituents, Mm -hmm. right, citizens of the United States, then goes through the lens of the legislators. They write a particular statute. In the case of this fair use provision, the fair use provision would say something like, here's some enumerated things like teaching, et cetera, that we want fair use to apply to. And when a judge is making this decision, he should look at these four factors you know? And the four factors that he's supposed to look at are things like, you know, what's the effect on the, on the, market. Uh, on the market for the copyrighted work? How much of the copyrighted work was reproduced right. in, the, in the Xerox copy? And, you know, a few things like that. And what is the purpose that it's being used for, obviously. Right. So for something like teaching, you would think, okay, they're going to take only a, one poem out of an entire anthology of poems is going to be reproduced for an English class. So that's a very small portion, right? And it, it's only going to uh, be circulated to say twenty students, not the entire university, and it's only going to be uh, used specifically for teaching. And then the, the students are going to destroy the, the packet afterwards. You know, they're not going to go out and sell it. Um, even in that situation, they say you can't use it. Right? Mm-hmm. You can't use the poem. So really, what people should ask, and judges should ask, is. On what circumstance can you use it for education? I mean, describe for me the situation in which the handout is not charged right? And they really can't come up with one. So it basically negates the entire statute, right? right. But, but if you look at it the other way, which is to actually look at the way the le- legislation is looked, it actually looks very logical what the judges are doing, because it clearly says in the statute, you have to look at what is the impact of, you know, giving right. these handouts out onto the market. And the publisher can make the argument that, hey, that this an poetry anthology only sells to college students, right. and none of them have been buying this... Uh, anthology at all unless and 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 in that circumstance you're like okay well Hmm. All a publisher really needs to do then to get paid on these uh, co- on these handouts is to make sure that the anthologies they put out are so goddamn boring <laughs> and don't appeal to anyone that the only person who gets them is students, right? And once you do that, the government will step in and make sure you have a market. Like, it's it's ridiculous. But that's the way it actually functions.
2: Yeah. And yeah.
1: No, no one could have predicted and,
2: that. Uh, yeah. and I mean, that's a problem. But, it, I mean, it's also just part of the the nature of the statute itself, which is that, right, I mean, you have the sort of, you know, enunciated things that are fair use and then you have the four factors test which are separate and the the way that you're supposed to judge the four factors is there is no thing it just says you need to take these four things into effect. You can take other things into into account also. You don't just have to take those four factors into into account and then you can weight them however you want. So it's not you know, there's no rule that says like if you you know, if you meet three of the four criteria, you're automatically fair use, It the judge can still weight, you know, the different factors in, in different ways. And so it's, you know, some uh, another lawyer I know once made, made the argument that you could take any case, any fair use case, and someone can, can make a perfectly reasonable argument under the law how it could go either way. And that is actually, I think, kind of dangerous going back to the, the principles that we were talking about originally about this idea of using it as a valve to protect free, free speech in, in the First Amendment. Because if any case that involves fair use can go either way, then every case has to go through uh, you know, a trial process and you can't rely on fair use enough to feel protected well, to use it. Right.
1: Some are more <clears throat> egregious than others. Sure. Right? And some are definitely going to pass the muster, I think. I think even under this very vague kind of definition that we have a fair use, even then there's certain things like when CNN shows something for 15 seconds on the screen and says, you know, here's a... Here's a video of a politician being ridiculous. You're going to get away with that. A Daily Show, they're going to get away with that. No one's no one's going to win that case. No one's going to bother filing that case. Uh, I mean, it's, I mean... Well, uh, let me put it this way. They're not going to bother to file that case against The Daily Show because The Daily Show has their own lawyers. They might file it against... Right, you know, but I mean, Joe so Schmoes. there was just
2: just a case last week, okay, where Fox, Fox News lost because they used a photograph... Um, uh, in commemorating 9-11 and they used somebody's photograph and they posted it to I think Twitter or Facebook or something and they you know, put a hashtag on it and something like that and they lost saying that wasn't fair use um, because they said they, they weren't using it in a transformative way and therefore they lost because it, it wasn't transformative even though it was
1: Was was that even news reporting?
2: Well, that's right. So, I mean, it opens up a question. Yeah,
1: Twitter feed is kind of promotional, maybe. Yeah,
2: Yeah. but it's still, I mean, you know, doing some sort of, you know, remembrance for for 9-11 couldn't be seen as reporting, right? Hmm. Twitter, <laughs> right. okay, I, I mean, right. So I mean, there, the there, there is coming are arguments there. There right? are arguments there, but yeah. you know. But then think about it. You know, if if using a photograph in a Twitter feed is infringement, think about how much infringement is happening every second, right? Well, you
1: know, you know, you know I, I, have a, I have a soft place in my heart for photographers because I think in this kind of very digitized web world, I think they uh-huh. kind of get the short end of the stick compared to people who make. You know, okay,
2: but then I mean, the pushback to that is, you know, I mean, they always got a, a really nice. Benefit, which is, I mean, some have argued that photography shouldn't be subject to, to copyright law at all because, you know, what you're capturing with a with a photograph, unless you've, you know, especially if it's just an outdoor thing, mm-hmm. you know, the copyright technically covers like the framing, um, and maybe you know the angle. But you know, I think a lot you're of diminishing. The, I mean, there's some we, I, can,
1: we I, can all tell when there's a really good picture versus sure, some
2: crap yeah. somebody shot, right? Like, yeah, but but how much of the how much of the photograph deserves copyright protection? Uh,
1: so, you know, so here let, let me separate two things. I think okay. I think it's very difficult to take good good photographs. Sure. On the other hand, and I'm not
2: denying that. Do we, do we need to denying. have like
1: super strong copyright protection for people to get compensated? I don't know. I don't know. Uh, that, that's much more... I, I take photos, right? Yeah. And, and I post a lot of photos, and my photos aren't very good. You know, certainly people who are much, you know, order of magnitudes, two orders of magnitude better um, but it's very difficult to argue that what Ansel Adams does uh-huh. right is not worthy of copyright protection that anyone should be able to reproduce his photo, his posters or photos i mean the man goes to yosemite sure. camps out for a week tries to get the moon in the exact right position with the exact right snowfall and, you know that kind he, of stuff right. that
2: that and he has a copyright on that and and, and nobody's denying that but you know i i, I mean but but there's a question of in an age where everything is about sharing these works, right? So mm-hmm. put Ansel Adams aside, right? And even like, you know, take credit because, you know, I've seen your photographs and they're pretty good, right? But if, if you know, much better than you imply uh, here. So if if you take a great photograph and you post it to Facebook and then I share it on my feed, should that be fair use?
1: I'm fine with it because I don't make my living that way. But but imagine, I can imagine. Sure, but, but okay, go ahead. So, so... Uh... I'm on uh, this this um photography subreddit. I think it's called r/photography. I can't remember the name. Or maybe it's Our photographers regardless. And almost weekly there will be a a thread of some sort of a photographer complaining. Yep how little he was offered to do a particular job or how some photo that he took was really underbid by some uh, newsroom or something like that. And really, when you look at why that's happening, it's happening because photography equipment has gotten very cheap. There is a huge volume of talented people willing to take photographs. And then there's a lot of people that are kind of like, Amateurs and much better amateurs than me, with even much better equipment than I have, taking photographs and then just you know doing piecemeal kind well, of and stuff. So then,
2: but then, it's, and, right, it just becomes supply and demand. Exactly right?
1: and exactly. That's that's my point, uh, which is that that's eroding the value. M- maybe, but but the problem is it gets a little murky here too because like let's say, let's even in the situations where 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 the, the where the content is very good, right? Even where the situation where the content is very good, it's hard. For particular photographers to monetize a photograph because they may they may not be able to find uh, a way to get it out in sort of a controlled way because it's already been yeah but I mean
2: so and this is I don't I don't want to diminish photographers because I'm I I you know I love photography I did photography for a while I'm I'm you know but you could also make an argument that it's it's difficult to monetize. Anything. being being a sculpture right now, yeah. a sculptor right now right yeah. i mean there are, there are different forms of artwork that are not easy to monetize that's not necessarily the job of copyright right
1: yeah. no i agree to some extent you would have to we'd, in a world without copyright i suppose you'd have to figure out some way to get and the
2: you photos. could right and you can do other other things and and i think also if you're a particularly good photographer and you can promote it you then you can you know sell future work and things like that and being hired to do things mm-hmm. and being commissioned but we're, we're getting a little far away from the, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> the point of the podcast, which is fair use. So, and we're also running out of time. So I want to kind of wrap this up and bring it all together. And we'll, we'll do some final thoughts. And I want to go back to the original question, which is which I don't think we actually ever really tackled, which is how do we get it so that fair use is more recognized and solid and, and widely you know, used and relied upon?
0: Yeah, I mean I guess that's the the isn't that one of the points of it being fair use week is to have yes. more. Um, and that's why we're doing this awareness. podcast now. Um, <laughs> I mean that is like I don't like that's a question I would have for you is like what 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 should we all be doing like this week to to really celebrate the fact that I, fair use should be the de facto standard and the starting point.
1: I I think I think the fair use week is exactly the kind of thing you you need, right? Because this is really in the in the way our legislation works, the way our court system works, the way our law works, and all that stuff, it really public opinion, and the way you know, you get, so, judges so, are really influenced by that. Yeah. And and so, it, you know, when people start feeling a particular way, that will change how the
0: laws are applied. So how
2: know? do we? How, so so what what is there out there that will make more people recognize how important fair use is? Is it?
0: Yeah, I mean maybe it's getting together. I mean, Techter, it, the blog itself still does not have a copyright claim at the bottom of the blog anymore. Right. So no. Um, and I think that the fact that that see in a circle is the, def- is what everyone always assumes goes at the bottom of a website. Maybe that's actually,
2: yeah, but I that, don't would know that if that's
0: interesting is to, to come up with like, Hey, for this week, everyone just really think about if you want to, well, you know, copyright. but there
2: are things like, like creative commons for that kind sure. of thing, you know, but I, I, think, I think getting more people to recognize how, how much fair use impacts their their daily lives. And and sort of going back to the point that you were making earlier, Hirsch, about things like The Daily Show, right? I mean, The right. Daily Show relies on fair use, and John Oliver relies on fair I mean, use. Is it, is
0: it a matter of making you know, a day without fair use and w- try to watch The Daily Show without any of the clips? Yeah, I mean, that's an idea, <laughs> right? I mean, things if like...
1: We, if we could get John Oliver to actually agree to that, that would be amazing, because yeah. his show is so popular. I think, you Stewart. know, to be honest... What? Things Either I want both of them.
0: I guess they both of them, yeah.
1: Yeah, it, it, things like uh, you know, like uh, when, when TechDirk names and shames somebody, when when Ars Technica names and shames someone, when Reddit names and shames someone. These kinds of places where you you get a thread where you know fifty thousand people see it in a sure. day, right? You know, those kinds of things raise awareness, and and I actually think you know, like I'm not all doom and gloom about this. I actually think that uh, if anything, fair use. Um, is, is going to get stronger in the future. Because because for the first time, I think there's a whole generation of people that are interested in, you know, doing Photoshop battles and remixing photos, remixing music, right. taking videos and making yeah. their own edits and stuff like that. And they're not going to be quiet when they're, when they're in their late 20s and 30s. They want to continue to see this kind of stuff. And they're going to be voters, you know. Uh, and so uh, th- I think, you know, things are going to get... Better in terms of fair fair use, not worse. Regardless of how powerful the indus- the industries <laughs> are raiding against it right now, are you know?
2: All right. Well, I, I hope that you're right, uh, and uh, I will I will try and uh, fight to make that possible and to make your prediction come true where I can, uh, and I hope everyone else who's listening to this will do that as well. <laughs> and I think we're going to be uh, done for this podcast today. So uh, go out and enjoy Fair Use Week and do something that's fair useable. <laughs> Alright, thanks him, guys. He
1: wasn't there, so let's go back to the star before twenty-two. All music's in the public domain. So fuck you. It's never the amateurs that reckon it's damaging us. It's the major label saying it's fate or like when Napster had to pack up my Metallica. The tables turn now the labels churn out. A new Jezebel internet televangelist. And she's fit with a manuscript that was actually written by Mr. Michael Masnick. Can